0: Welcome to the Harmony Christian Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by today's message from Pastor Josh Shoemaker. Amen. Well, we've uh, we've been talking about faith. We started talking about faith last week, and I wanna continue on that subject here for a minute this morning. Um, I wanna tell you a little story, and I'll be honest. Uh, I heard this story on a podcast like three years ago. So I'm not sure how accurate I'm going to be in telling this story. <laughs> that you're all, you're all very confident in my ability here this morning. Um, so I won't remember necessarily all the details, but I remember the important parts of the story. Um, th- so this pastor was, had just finished preaching. His, uh, the, the pastor's name is Chris Vallotton. He's from a church out in California. And uh, he, he had just gotten done preaching. They had been praying for people uh, after the message. And uh, he, he, said, he said he was just spent. He had just got done preaching. He was tired. Uh, he had just prayed for uh, just a lot of different people. And uh, his tank was empty. He was running on empty. So he, he started to walk back uh, to the office after the service when a lady had called out and, and, and got his attention. And she wanted him to pray for her. And he said, you know, my flesh was going, oh, man, man. I want to do this. I'm done. You know, I have zero faith to pray for this lady, right? So she comes walking up and she's got a cane and not she's younger lady, but she's she's walking with a cane and she's not moving very well. And uh, she had some sort of disease. This is one of the details. I don't quite remember. She had some sort of disease where she just had constant pain throughout her body. Um, And it had been this way for for many, many years. And so she walks up uh, and wants Chris to pray for her. Uh, that the Lord would touch her and bring healing to her body, and again, Chris is just like my tank 's empty, i just don 't want to do this so but you know he can 't tell her no, so he tells her to come on up and and uh he 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 was going to begin praying for her he 's talking to the lady getting some information, and he ask he asks is are you married is is your husband here with you and she gets this look on her face, and she goes, "Yes, oh okay, well, could And he knew instantly, like, there's something wrong here, right? He goes, well, I mean, could you ask him to come up uh, and and to pray with us? She kind of (sighs) goes, she turns around her husband, who's sitting all the way in the back, and, she's, and she yells for him to come up and says, hey, the pastor wants you to come up and pray. And, and he's like, we don't have time for this. He kind of yells from the back, right? And Chris is going, oh, okay. It's going to be this kind of situation, right? So so she goes, come on. So he reluctantly, he gets up and he's like mad. He just wants to leave. He's hungry. He wants to go to lunch. He doesn't want to be there, blah, blah, blah. He comes up and uh, and Chris is like, well, you know, they introduce each other. And he goes, you know I." I felt like the Lord wanted me, wanted you to pray for your wife. And he goes, Are you serious? <laughs> Chris is like, Uh oh, maybe I'm not hearing quite right here, right? You know? He's like, Yeah, I feel like the Lord wants you to pray. And Chris is getting frustrated at this point, right? And the husband's getting frustrated, and the wife's getting frustrated. And everybody's just frustrated, and they're supposed to be praying for healing, right? So not a lot of faith in the room, right? He goes, I want you to pray. At first, he's like, No. I don't want to do it. <laughs> Chris is like, no, you're going to pray for your wife. So the guy's like, fine, fine. And Chris is like, here, how about you just repeat after me? Fine. And so, so he, he said, they close their eyes. They lay their hands on this lady. And he goes, say this, say, Lord Jesus. He goes, Lord Jesus. I thank you for my wife. I thank you for my wife. I pray that you would touch her body and bring healing to her. I pray that you would touch her body and bring healing to her. And that was like the prayer. Now, how much faith do you think is in the circle right now? You've got Chris who admittedly said, I had zero faith for this lady to be healed. I had none. I was drained. I was spent. You have a husband who doesn't even want to be there, right? Right? praying over her, right? And this is the pr- that was the prayer, that was all that was. All of a sudden though, the lady begins going, wait a second, my- there's no pain in my hands anymore. And Chris goes, are you serious? <laughs> and the husband goes, are you serious? <laughs> and she goes, yes, and she starts moving, she drops her cane, she starts moving, the Lord completely heals the woman of the pain that had been in her body for years completely restores their marriage. There's a longer story, completely restores their marriage, all in there in a moment, and there was almost zero faith in the room. How does that happen? How does that happen? You see, often we believe, we would say that, that doubt is the enemy of faith and absolutely doubt can be the enemy of faith. But what if doubt doesn't have to be the enemy of faith? What if, un, what if, what if having any doubts or any reservations doesn't have to be the enemy of faith but can actually be the seedbed in which faith can grow? That's where we're gonna go this morning and probably a little bit next week. Um, but let me go, let's go, if you have your Bibles, open up to John chapter 11. We're gonna start in verse one here. What if doubt doesn't have to be the enemy of faith? Let's look here in John chapter 11, very familiar passage. We're gonna start here in verse one. It says, now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Martha who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death. Everybody say that with me this morning. This sickness is not unto death. Before the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister her, and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Now I want to point something out to you here. There's only a handful of people in the Bible that actually it says specifically that Jesus loved. Now we all know Jesus loves everybody, right? Jesus loves the whole world, but the Bible is only specific. It only says specifically that there's a handful of people that Jesus loved. One of them was John the, John the Beloved, and actually he said himself that Jesus loves me. So I don't know if that one even really counts, right? And then there was Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. That the Bible says specifically Jesus loved these people. And he finds out, Jesus finds out that Lazarus, this man that Jesus loves, this friend of Jesus that he loves, is sick. And the Bible says that Jesus waits two more days to go visit him. Now that's love, right? Two more days to go visit him. So Jesus waits two more days. Why does he wait two more days? So Lazarus would die. (laughs) Man, aren't you glad Jesus loves you? <laughs> Jesus waits two more days. Lazarus dies. Then it goes on and it tells us it says, then after, after he says this, after he says that this sickness will not be unto death, after he waits two more days, it says, then after he said to the, or set, I'm sorry, after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you and you are going there again. So what are they saying? The, the context here is this city hates Jesus. They don't want Jesus, especially the, the religious leaders in this city do not want Jesus to come into this city. In fact, the last time he was in the city, they tried to kill him. So the disciples are saying, maybe it's not a good idea for you to show your face in Judea right? Maybe it's not a good plan for you to go to this city. And Jesus answered and said, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the light, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said. And after that, he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him. Then the disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Lazarus is dead. Now, wait a second, Jesus. Let's jump back up here to verse number four. Jesus heard that and he said, this sickness is is not unto death. Then you get down here to verse, whatever, verse, uh, verse 14. Lazarus is dead. Which is it? Is he gonna die? Is he not going to die? You told us a couple days ago that Lazarus was not going to die, that this sickness would not be unto death, but now you're looking at us and you're telling us Lazarus is dead. Did we miss something? Are we overlooking something? And, and for us, this is easy, right? Because we know the end of the story. We know Jesus goes and he stands before Lazarus's tomb and he tells him to move the stone and then he yells out, Lazarus, come forth. And then Lazarus comes out. They remove the grave clothes from him. Celebration, Jesus is awesome. We know the story. They didn't have that luxury, they didn't know the end of this story yet. So imagine what the disciples are thinking and feeling in this situation. Jesus, just a couple days ago, you told us that Lazarus was going to live and now you're telling us he's dead. Which is it, Jesus? Which is it? Did we miss it? Maybe they're thinking, did we misunderstand what you meant a few days ago? Are we, are we unaware? Did we hear him wrong? Did Jesus mess up? Is it possible that maybe Jesus communicated something that was wrong? Maybe maybe Jesus thought he was going to live and Jesus died. What kind of thoughts are going through the disciples' head in this moment? Why did he wait two more days? Jesus, if, he's, if, he, if he was going to be saved, if he was going to live, why did you wait so long to go to the city knowing that he was almost about to die? All of these questions filling the disciple's head. If he healed all of these other people that just approached him on the streets, then Jesus, why did you wait so long to go visit Lazarus? The one that you say you love, you allowed him to suffer and to die. Why? And we may know the end of this story. We know that The end of the story is Lazarus' sickness wasn't unto death. That he may have died in that moment, but Jesus stood in front of the grave and he declared him to come forward. We know the end of this story, but maybe we don't know the end of our story yet. You don't know the end of your story yet. And I imagine that just like the disciples, we have a lot of the same questions rolling through our brains. Jesus doesn't the Bible say that by your stripes I am healed? Yet I'm still dealing with illness and with sickness. I still have issues in my body that I've been been believing God, been believing that you would heal for, for years and years and years, and it hasn't happened yet. Why, Jesus? Jesus, doesn't your word say that if I raise a child up in the way that he should go, When he's old, he will not depart from it. But I I raised my kids up in the church. I raised them up knowing you. Yet they have departed from the faith and they're living in the world and there's nothing I can say or do for them to bring them back to you. But didn't you say, God, that if I raise them how they should live, that when they're old, they won't depart from it? Jesus, where are you? Didn't you say, Lord, that that, uh, that you would supply all of my needs according to your riches and glory. Yet I'm destitute and I'm in need and I don't have the money to pay my bills and I applied for another job and they rejected me again. Jesus, didn't you say these things? Why is Lazarus dead? Why am I still dealing with these issues when the promise was that I would have all of these things? And we may know the end of Lazarus' story, but we still don't know the end of our story yet. We're still in the middle, in the in-between, wondering where Jesus is. And let me tell you something. In the middle of that situation, in the middle of the waiting, it's hard not to have questions and doubts, isn't it? It's hard to maintain great faith when you've been crying out to God for something, that you've seen the promises in scripture, yet you have yet to see them fulfilled in your life and, what's, and in your body and what's going on in your situation. And it's hard to have great faith and not doubt when you still haven't seen the fulfillment of the promise yet and you're just waiting. You're just in the in-between. What do you do in these moments? And let me reiterate something here. The disciples' questions were legitimate. The disciples, what would have been going on in their minds would have been legitimate. Your questions are legitimate, right? I don't want to disqualify that. And I think we do that a lot of times. We disqualify our questions and we think if we have any doubts or any questions, then, then, that, then we have lost all faith and God is disappointed in us. But sometimes our questions are real and legitimate and God does not expect you to ignore the pain that you're in. What do we do? When Jesus says Lazarus is going to live, and then a few days later he tells us Lazarus is dead, what do we do in the in between? You follow Jesus anyway. You follow Jesus anyway. Verse 16. Jesus tells them that Lazarus is dead. And and then I don't have time to go into this this morning. Maybe we'll touch a little bit on it next week. But he actually says, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sake that he's dead. What? (laughs) I'm glad for your sake that he's dead. That I was not there. That you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas who is called the twin said to his fellow disciples, let us go also that we may die with him. What do you do when you don't have all of the answers? What do you do when you're confused and you have questions? When you think Lazarus is going to live, but Lazarus dies, you follow him anyway. You know, Thomas has a bad rap. We've called him Doubting Thomas for many years because of one moment of weakness. This disciple who followed Jesus for all of these years, this disciple who in this moment, they know they're going into a city where Jesus could possibly be killed and they know if they go with him, they could possibly die with him. And what does Thomas say? He says, I don't care, let's go anyways. If he's gonna die, so am I. Yet we call him doubting Thomas. That doesn't sound like much of a doubter to me. Yet because of one moment of weakness, we have labeled him doubting Thomas all of these years. Doubting Thomas. And you know what's funny about that? Even when he doubted, the Bible tells us that so that that story, Jesus comes and visits the disciples. Lazarus isn't there. After Jesus leaves, Thomas comes back in. The disciples tell Thomas about it. And he says, Unless I see the nail prints for myself, I won't believe. But the thing about Thomas is this he stayed in the place where Jesus showed up anyway. Even though he didn't see Jesus himself, even though he had to sit in the corner and hear the excitement of all of the other disciples for days on end, talking about how they saw Jesus, even though he had to endure all of that, he stayed where Jesus shows up anyways. Because Thomas knew something, that even if I have doubts Even if I have my own reservations, even if maybe I don't fully understand the answer to the questions yet, as long as I stay where Jesus is, my questions will be answered. As long as I keep looking to the author and perfecter of my faith. Even though my faith is weak, as long as I look to the author and perfecter of my faith, then everything is going to be just fine. So they don't understand. They, told, they said, he said Lazarus was going to live. Lazarus dies. And Thomas says, you know what? I don't understand that, but I'm going to follow him to death, anyways. I'm gonna follow Jesus anyways. What do you do when you don't understand what's happening in your situation? What do you do when your body is still sick? What do you do when your finances are still a mess? What do you do when your kids are still gone? You follow Jesus anyway. You follow him anyways. Why? We talked about it last week. Because he is trustworthy, he is certain, and he is dependable. And just like when Jesus gave the message about communion when he told the crowd, if you eat my flesh and you drink my blood, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part of me. Nobody understood what Jesus was talking about. The 12 didn't understand. The multitude didn't understand. The multitude left. The 12 stayed. Why? They tell us, because you have the words of life. Where else would I go? Jesus, I don't have a clue what you're talking about but I trust you. I don't have a clue why I'm in this situation, but I trust you because you are dependable. And so I give you my everything, even when I have doubts, even when I have questions, even when there's mystery around my situation, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you. Thank you, Jesus. I'm actually going to just stop there for this, for today. And we'll finish this up next week. I think that's a good place to stop for today. Why don't you go ahead and stand with me here this morning? Hmm. I believe, I, I don't, I not just believe, I know there are people in this room that are in that very situation right now where you don't understand what's going on. You've read the promises, you've heard the promises preached from the father before, but you're not seeing the fulfillment of that promise yet. And you're in that gap, that waiting period, where you're in between the promise and the fulfillment. And you're not sure what to do in this situation. You're not sure where, what your next move is. You're not sure how you should pray. I wanna tell you what you should do, follow him. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his beautiful face and then the things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. When you don't know what to do, you look to the author and the perfecter of your faith. You look to the one who has all of the answers. And maybe, maybe he won't even give you all. He didn't listen, he didn't even always give his disciples all of the answers. When they didn't understand the whole communion message, the whole eat my blood or eat my flesh, drink my blood thing, they didn't understand and he didn't give them any context. But they followed him because they knew that he is the one who gives life. So wherever you're at this morning, in your walk with Jesus, if you're in that gap, I just wanna pray for you this morning. So Jesus, I pray for those that are in that gap. God, that they've heard the promise, but they've yet to see the fulfillment. God, I pray that you would just give them a fresh grace here this morning, Jesus. God, that they would be able to walk in fullness of faith, God. God, that they, would be able to, uh, that they would be able to just see your face and sense your presence all around them, Jesus. I'm mindful of even the story of Job, that Job went through all of this tragedy and he had question after question. If you read the book of Job, he had his own doubts. He had his own uh, questions throughout all of scripture. And then something happens. God shows up and begins speaking to Job. He begins telling Job who he is. And telling Job of all the things that God has seen and all the things that God has done. He never one time answers one of Job's questions in the fullness. But at the end of the book of Job, Job says, he says, he says that I've seen God. And because I've seen God, I'm okay. Because I've seen God, I can go on living my life. Even with the questions because I've seen the one who is true and who is faithful and I trust him. So Father, I pray once again that today that we would be able to see your face and to see your eyes. God, and those that are in the middle of the promise and the fulfillment, God, that you would just give them a fresh faith today and a fresh yes to following you with their whole heart, Jesus, with their whole heart. God, we bless you today. We thank you for your presence that's here in this room, and we honor you for that. God, I thank you for Harmony House once again. Thank you for all that they're and all the impact they're having in that community. That God, you are using that ministry to impact the city and change the city of Elwood. God, we thank you for that, and we just pray. Uh, we we pray that you would just uh, give that you would give fresh energy and rest to Doug, to Leah, and to the team there at Harmony House. God, that they would just have uh, just a renewed energy and a renewed strength in them. God, I pray that you would supernaturally speed up, God, the, the, uh, um, the renovations at the New Life Campus, Father. God, that you would give them favor with, with the work and with the finances and all that is involved in that, Jesus. God, that you would continue to pour out your blessing upon that place and honor that place, Lord. And God, that the, that the testimonies that have come would just be the seed for what is to come in the future, God. And Father, that we would hear testimony after testimony after testimony of lives being changed because of your presence and your anointing that rests on Harmony House. God, again, we just thank you for your presence here this morning, we honor you. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more messages like this or information about our church, please visit HarmonyChurchFamily.org.